You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to this Scotland Women's National Team World Cup Playoff Special. I'm John. I'm delighted to be joined by a panel of experts in the women's game. Firstly, return to the podcast is creative um, producer of A View from the Terrace, among other things, and women's football guru, Chris Marshall. How are you, Chris? Yeah, I'm, I am. If you want to say women's football guru, that's fine, but I am just a guy here talking about women's football. But yeah, hi, John. Hope you're well. I meant to say encyclopedia instead of the guru. I'd get my words <laughs> mixed up. I'm running out of superlatives for you. Um, I also return to the podcast, um, freelance journalist and commentator and student of the year runner-up in the Scottish Press Awards for our work with the Celtic Way, Amy Canavan. Welcome back, Amy. How are you? I'm good, John. Thank you very much for having me back. Yeah, it's nice to nice to be back on, uh, not with Chris, but you got one son, you lose some. <laughs> we know you don't really mean that, mm-hmm. <laughs> or do you? We're about to spend a lot of time together, Canavan, you behave yourself. Oh, God, can't wait, pal. <laughs> well, um, luckily enough, I've got two other people to try and keep the peace and add even more expertise. Um, so next up, we have BBC Scotland sports presenter and reporter, one of the lucky ones to have been in Krakow this week following the men's team, Jane Lewis. Jane, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm really well, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, Krakow was good, good results. So we're hoping for a similar performance. In the yeah. two playoffs, I'm going to be confident, the two playoffs for yes. the women's team. Yes, two out of potential three, but we'll come into that very soon. Um, Indeed. <laughs> and completing the lineup is 40 time capped former Scotland International and regular pundit on BBC's SWPL1 coverage, Emma Black. Emma, welcome along. How are you this evening? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Um, as Jane says, hopefully we will be talking about the, the two playoff games rather than just the one, of course. Yes, let's certainly hope so. Um, and before we come on to playoffs, let's just have a quick um, recap over how we've got to this position. So Scotland and Group B in the World Cup playoffs. We finished second, which um, I suppose was to be expected. It was a, almost a bit of a slow burner um, with the late goal against Hungary, a late goal to salvage a draw against Ukraine, um, a bit of a spanking off Spain away from home, but then improved performance against Spain later on, a good result in Ukraine, and then a... Um, I went over Pharaohs to um, round up the group. So, how do you guys? Um, you can go in any order you want, but how do you feel the team um, about the uh, transition under um, Pedro from a year ago to now? I think for me, it was a a bit of a stuttering start. Um, you know, it was obviously change of personnel, change of management. Players had announced their retirements, the likes of Kim Little and Leanne Crichton and, and Joe Love and, and Haley Lauder, obviously has not been involved. So they were big players that have been there for a, a long, long time. And I think for me, it was needed a, a fresh start, a fresh start, new beginnings. But Pedro came in and he obviously wanted to implement his style of playing, his philosophy. And I think it was totally different for obviously what the girls were used to or used to playing, especially their clubs teams, as well as obviously international football. So it was a, a huge change for all. But I think now it's much, much better. And He's not scared to bring in new players um, for me or, or change the style of play um, or formations as the games has been on. And it's been much better, improved performances for me. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that probably stands out is um, the passing out from the back. And early on, there were problems, like, um, especially when the Hungary scored at Hampden and you were you were getting concerned. But to be fair, Jane, they've stuck by um, the, the principles. Pedro has 
tried different things early on, and now you're seeing um, signs that this is um, about to bear fruit, that we could be onto something special with Pedro. Yeah, absolutely. I think he, he wasn't afraid to try things early on, was he? And I remember in one of the games, he, he did change. I think he went to, to a back three at one point, didn't he? And not afraid to try things. Unfortunately, he had to kind of do it during competitive games because what well, he came in on the 1st of August, didn't he? And his first competitive game, first ever game was the 17th of September. So not a long time to get to know your players and get to practice things on the training pitch. So yeah, he had to try these things in competitive games. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, well, I should say, fortunately, it didn't, didn't didn't come a cropper when it could have done. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think you've got to give them a lot of credit, and I think you've got to give the players a lot of credit too. They've obviously worked really hard um, getting to know him, and he's worked hard getting to know know them too. As Emma said, you know, they lost some really key players. Kim Little is a massive player; she's still doing it for our club, isn't she? And she's a a, a big loss. Um, it's quite interesting from my point of view. Some of the players that he hasn't brought into the squad. You know, he's never brought in Hayley Lauder, I think I'm right in saying. Lizzie Arnott's been there in, in times, kind of late call-up more than anything else. But yeah, look, I think he's still probably getting to know his squad, probably knows he's better, uh, best squad now and best players now. But um, I think it's taken some time. And unfortunately for him, it's taken time while he's been uh, playing a, a qualifying campaign, which cannot be easy at all. There was also the Panatta Cup um, in February, which I think was more of a, um, a benefit as things turned out, because although the Panatta Cup performances were not great, we lost to Wales and only beat Hungary in penalties. But in terms of experimenting and getting to do this with God a bit better over these um, few few days, Chris, um, I think that turned out to be quite a useful exercise and maybe something that you could have benefited with before um, the qualifiers. But obviously, he wasn't in charge till um, the qualifiers. Yeah, it's a fair point, John, because, as you say, he was pointed very, very late in terms of start of the qualifying campaign, and he didn't really have that time to spend with the squad. And I know, obviously, from the, the way the kind of the qualifying kind of panned out, you kind of started to see a real progression when he started to have a bit of time with the players. That, that Spain 2-0 defeat, yes, it was a defeat, and I'm always a bit reticent to celebrate defeats, but there was a progress in that performance, and that was born out of the time spent in the Pinter Cup. And also having that that kind of weak lead into it before before that game, and then the kind of similar approach to it when we got to the Ukraine game in in June, um, I, I went over to Rezhov to to kind of go to that game, and it was probably the first time I kind of watched Scotland under these Pedro Martinez, and I went, you know what, the players that we have, and I'm sure we'll touch on the squad in a wee second, but the players that we have are are more than capable of of getting through this playoff path, especially with the way that the draws kind of come out and. Yes, well, I'm, I'm sure you're going to rinse my brain about how this actually works. But um, in terms of how, how it's going to pan out going forward, I think you've seen with Pedro, the more time he's had with the players, the more he's been able to implement his ideas. And already with this, this these qualifiers coming up, the squad's already getting ready to come together. And we're, we're still, to, well, on the night recording, a week away. So it's, it's good to see. And it'll be interesting to see how it matches up in a game that I think is going to be very, very even come, come next Thursday. Yeah, definitely. And um, we'll also come at the squad very um, briefly in, um, in a moment. But Amy, two other plus points from last month's squads um, that played against um, Holland and ran and ran them very close. And um, Netherlands are a top 10 team in the, the rankings. Um, was the return of Emma Mitchell, sorry, now Emma McCandy. I always get that confused when I read the squad. And um, Fiona Brown after a couple of years of horrendous injuries. That's again good. Um, problems to have adding these kind of players into the squad who have got that international experience um, to a squad that 
there are one or two players in the squad that don't have the same experience as those girls. Yeah, um, I think their returns were, were timely, um, probably more so Emma Mitchell. Um, obviously, at the same time, Rachel McLaughlin sort of came back into the set-up when she'd been missing. Um, and Chris and I dissected it a lot. Fullback was probably... You know, you had Nicola Dockett really set on one side and then in the opposite, you were you were having to kind of just chuck anyone there who, who really could. Um, and then, as you rightly say, with the Pinotar Cup, brought in Kelly Clark as well. She played against the Netherlands in that position and she actually did really well. Um, in an area where she's not familiar with, you certainly don't see her playing there week in, week out, but she um, she deployed herself really well. So you've went in the space of a year when things probably have started to come fresh or sort of like falling emotion a little bit more for um for Pedro. That area that probably was the weakest is now one of, of great strength really and he's got three really solid options if he if he wants them. Um albeit with a little bit of shifting. But yeah, touching on, on the Netherlands and I th- you know I think everyone would, would, would kind of agree that was a really, really impressive performance and extremely unlucky to to not come away, obviously away with that with a draw of some sort. Um because it was a, a really complete performance and not not giving in and I think that's what James kind of alluded to earlier that he's not scared to you know stick with the system even against the top sides it'd be very easy to go extremely defensive and just sit in and let one of the best be their best um, but match them and hit them on the break and you know Scotland's attacking impetus is, is their best quality um, similar to the males um, so don't just try and sit in and I think that if that is continued into these playoffs then um, you know Scotland are in with, with every fighting chance against anyone. Um, is that something that you, you would concur with, um, you know, that about Pedro just um, sticking to the belief in the, in the system that he's doing and more importantly, the players buying into what he's doing? Yeah, I think you can see the players have bought into it already, as Amy was saying, that, you know, they've got an attacking players. We've got um, flair players, shall we say, you know, we've got Aaron Cuthbert, we've got Caroline Weir, we've obviously got Claire Emsley and... You know, they're all playing at a very, very high standard and, and they all, they're all footballers. They all want to play football. They don't want the game to bypass them and they're playing that long pass and missing out the midfield. That's not the type of players that, that we have or, or they want to play. So, and just as, as well, Amy was saying about the fullback options, I think it's great now that we've got those options um, for Emma coming back in. And obviously, as you just mentioned, Kelly Clark at right back for Holland. I don't think anyone's seen that coming at all. And then obviously setting up the goal for Claire Emsley. But, um, I think it's good that we've got options and all our fullback options are attacking options as well and it suits the style of play and the philosophy that, that Pedro is, is wanting to play. Um, so, no, I think we're in a, a good, good position getting into these playoffs. Um, I think being at home as well was obviously a huge advantage. You know, it's obviously we want as many fans here as possible um, to push that, but listen, we're in a good, good position, so we are. And, you can see Caroline Muir, she's absolutely flying out in Real Madrid, uh, you know, and Erin Cuthbert back in Chelsea. And I think that helps as well, being your club football was back now, you're getting games under your belt. And it's just a natural progression when you take that into the national team. Caroline Muir just seems to score a Ballon d'Or goal, um, uh, goal, goal contender every month, it seems. You know, she's went to um, Real Madrid and it's just been like duck to water. It's um, She's absolutely been superb um, and, you know, long may continue. Hopefully she continues that with the national team over these next two games, fingers crossed. Um, so we've picked a 25-player squad f- um, for 
um, the, the two the potential two games coming up. I don't want to keep getting ahead of myself. I just can't help it either. No, it's going to be two games, mate. Two games. Yes, Definitely. exactly. Positive <laughs> attitude. It's happening, man. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely, I love it. Um, so the only two additions were Chrissy Grimshaw has just come back into the squad after a bit of a layoff. Um, she's still at AC Milan, and um, Kirsty Hansen has come back into the squad as well. Um, she's obviously moved on loan to Aston Villa. Other than that, there was no real surprises. There's no new faces. That was to be expected, wasn't it, Chris? You know, given the fact of the magnitude of these games, it's not a time for experimentation. Yeah, I mean, it's a bigger squad than he's called up recently. He's given himself some more options, obviously, with a view to there being two games. Um, I, I, I feel like we, we should talk about Caroline Lear a little bit more, I think, because I think Caroline's move to Real Madrid has worked even better than I think probably you could have imagined. I think at Manchester City, she was one of a collective of players that were trying to be the controller in the team. And she's gone to Real Madrid and she's kind of, well, we know this from the the way that Real Madrid hyped it and the way that she kind of received it. This was like a childhood dream for her to go and to play for Real Madrid. And I think in terms of the style of play in Spain and how Real Madrid are looking to play the game to try and reel in Barcelona at the top of the, the Spanish, um, Spanish uh, Liga, I think is definitely part of it. But also I think timing for her has been so important. She was ready to kind of be the, the steering ship of a team. And I think that's maybe what we're hoping is going to start happening with Scotland. It's maybe not quite happened yet. I think it's been interesting watching the, the transition with Pedro Martinez Losa and Erin Cuthbert very much like seeing as this braggadocious heart and soul of the team. And you know, everybody roots for Erin no matter what she's up to. And I think Caroline's a different kind of player. She's elegant, she's a ball player, she'll she'll drop deep. And I think it's taken a wee while for Pedro to get her further up the pitch. Um and I think once you get her further up the pitch, we see so much more from her. And I think that's what's happened in the last couple of games. But to touch on what Amy had said earlier on, our attacking threat is so good. Like, generally, if you, if you actually look at it and you look at it properly, Claire Emsley's gone over to Angel City in the NWSL. And um, I, I don't know what else thinks, but Claire Emsley in the NWSL is such a perfect fit. The type of player she is, she's a chalk, chalk in the boots runner, he's an old-fashioned term. She is a winger, she wants to run, and she does it in Scotland and she does it stateside as well. But to call on Christy Grimshaw, who, let's be honest, kind of came in underneath Pedro. She, I think she was on the periphery and Pedro kind of gave her a kind of first, first go at it and she t- developed into a key player. But the one I'm really excited about is Kirsty Hansen. I... Was a little bit stumped when she wasn't getting game time at Manchester United last season. She'd come off the back of a really good season, the previous one. Um, and she's kind of gone to Aston Villa. Carla Wards obviously had a, a transformative effect on Aston Villa. She did the same at Birmingham City. And having Kirsty Hansen and Rachel Corsi there, who's been playing central defensive mid, probably won't be doing that for Scotland, but it's been an interesting watch as well. Um, I just think having those options and having... I think probably an established forward, and I think Martha Thomas is probably established as our number one forward now. And having people like Abby Harrison in the background to come in and Lana Cleland going forward, we are we're really exciting. And if you kind of start stepping it back, and with the full back options coming in, and the emergence of Sophie Howard under Pedro Martinez Lossa as well, it feels like everything's starting to come together at just the right time for us. Yeah, de- definitely is, and you know we've got some options um, up front as you, as you mentioned. Um, I think Martha Thomas probably is um, the leading one at the moment, but you know Abby Harrison is someone that came in quite late, um, Jane, and she um, got that goal against Ukraine um, and has been in the, the squad ever since. Although she probably should have had a hat trick last month, to be fair to her as well. 
Yeah, she kind of burst onto the scene, didn't she? And made a, a real big name for herself. I, I think you guys are right, though. I think Martha Thomas uh, is the one that everyone will be looking to, and our, our stats back that up, don't they? Uh, you've talked about the, the attacking intent and flair. Um, I think it's quite interesting, the defensive lineup as well. Uh, you know, Willie Go with Corsi and Beatty, that kind of tried um, and familiar back, back to uh, and centre-back. Um, or will he change it around a bit? Howard's kind of been in there as well, hasn't she? It's going to be interesting to see uh, what he does. I don't know what Emma think, thinks about that because that has that kind of has been the partnership that maybe um, maybe leave people thinking a little bit as to what, what he might do. What do you think, Emma? Yeah, I think that's a question mark. Um, the centre-back who plays along, alongside Corsi. Um, I think, obviously, we've seen at Hamden that, that mistake that Beatty had made. Um, I think we all recall that. And then she took a knock and had to come off, didn't she? Um, and then Howard stepped in. And listen, Howard's been been there. You know, she's played at the World, World Cup before. She's a, a top, top quality player as well. And I think Howard gives you that much more pace. She's um, a, a little bit more about her in terms of getting about the pitch. Um, so it'll be interesting and especially for, for Jen Beattie. I, I don't think she started um, the games for Arsenal so far, has she? She hasn't started any games. So maybe Pedro will look at that also, um, especially if she had a little injury. You want to get into this game against Austria. You want to have your 100%. You want to be fully fit. You want to have games under your belt. You want to be making sure that you've competed at club level before you take that step. Um, so I think it's a question mark. I think it will be between BT and Howard for me. I think me and Jane spoke about that, as she's mentioned. Um, it's a centre-back centre back position that I feel that that's probably our weakest part, um, who plays alongside Rachel Corsi. And then you, you don't know then who's going to play at the full-back positions. Of course, I think it will be Nicola Doherty um, at left-back, um, the right-back, you know, we've got options. Chloe Arthur's played there. Lisa Evans has played there. Um, Rachel McLaughlin's just come back in as well. So for me, for me, and being a, a previous defender, you always want to have your, your goalkeeper and your back four in place. Um, you want to play as many games as possible, having that continuity together and just having that, that back line being able to drive the team forward. So I think... As we've mentioned, we're very, very good going forward, but it's defensively at times, I think, we're a wee bit unsure. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I also think another key position that hasn't quite been nailed down is the holding midfield position. Um, Leanne Crichton did such a wonderful job in her 72 caps before, and I think she's been a hard act to follow, Amy. Um, Sam Kerr's in the squad, squad just now has been doing very well at Rangers, um, although I've noticed that Lisa Robertson is in. Who would you um, expect to step up to that? Yeah, I'm a big Lisa Robertson fan and I even advocated her to start in the last game when she wasn't even in the squad um, and it wasn't until I think I'd recorded the pod later and I thought, oh my gosh, she's not even actually in it. Um, that's how big a fan I am. Um, but no, I think that Lisa is actually the one who's closest to what Leanne Crichton used to be able to do because she is just more defensively minded. You know, that the other that's when we look at the squad, it's a very strong squad, but that's the one name that even with Lizzie Arnott's goals, I would still go you know, you have got other options compared to Lizzie Arna, but there's not really another Lisa Robertson within the side. Um, and that's why, I, if, you know, if she's fit, which you like to believe that she is, I, I would be having her in. Um, so, you know, there, there are options. Um, that, that third midfield role, he gave it to Lucy Graham um, recently. We've seen um, Abby Harrison in there as well. As you say, there's Chloe Arthur. So, again, there, there's plenty of options, but allowing, as, as Chris rightly said, you want, Caroline, we are to be 30 yards from the opposition goal rather than 30 yards from the defence 
her own goal. So you're wanting the both of them to be as, uh, alongside Cuthbert, obviously, being as influential and as attacking as possible. So you're needing someone to be able and regimented enough to sit back a little bit deeper. And who is tasked with that? It's it's not a very fun game for them, is it? Um, you're not getting a lot of action because... You know, you just got to let the masters at work do, do their thing. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. But I think you're spot on as long as 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 well as sorry the, the centre half partnership to Corsi in that third midfield role. I think they're the two in particular that really aren't nailed down as well as the, the fullback. Yeah, this is why I brought you, you you guys on is because you've got that knowledge that I don't have. I mean, you rattled off a few names. I could only name one. <laughs> um, but um, we'll move on very quickly. So um, the. Our playoff record, um, from what I know, is not particularly great. Um, we've been three playoffs, um, lost to Russian away goals for years 2009 after a 4-4 aggregate. We lost 4-3 to Spain for years 2013, painful last-minute goal. Um, I sorry to bring that up because I've seen that you were on the pitch for that. And we've lost 4-1 to Netherlands for um, World Cup in 2015, so surely a lot's got to change. I mean, I mean, yeah, the playoff record's not great, but I mean, that was in ages ago now. Different, different time, different things now. So, I mean, I think I'm guessing we're transitioning onto the playoffs, John. So I'll, I'll carry on. But I think, as Emma alluded to earlier on, the fact that they're Hamden, like the, the way the draw worked, is it, it, there's a possibility that both of these games could have been away from home. So the potential that even if he'd won that first game, we were then travelling again, very short notice, not really knowing who we're playing. The fact that we've got a home draw um, against Russia, who will be tough, probably top end of what we could have got in this in this first round. But if we get through that, we've got Ireland and you know Ireland are on a on a bit of an upward trajectory just now. But I think if you looked at the teams that we could have got, they're probably at the bottom end of what we could have got in that second round. So I think it's uh yeah, I mean the past is the past. It's it's been a long time. Lots of things have changed in women's football. We always talk about how fast moving women's football is and it's very fast moving now um, in particular. But having the games at hand and is so important it gives as I always detail on, it gives us a base to be there for hopefully 10 days straight. It gives um gives opportunity to get out and support the team. And you know what? It does make a difference. So like, when I was in Jesso for the, the game against Ukraine, there was like four Scotland fans there and it was weird. Like as somebody who goes to Scotland games, home and away, men's side, and I try and do the women's side, but you know, there's only enough holidays in the world. But um, it, it was strange like having that. And I know that the games at Hamden that have been there so far, the crowds have been getting bigger. And I think, especially especially the way that the men's fixtures have gone out, and, you know, I don't like making the comparison, but I'm pretty sure if, if the men's fixtures of last week hadn't gone as well, you may have seen a little bit of, not apathy, but not as much enthusiasm for the, the women's qualifiers coming up. And I think there is a, a general good feeling about the national team just now. And I'm genuinely excited about these games. Proper, proper excited. Like, it's not... I probably haven't felt like this about the national team since we went turning up in France in the World Cup, and uh, I don't remember much of that. But I'm going to try and remember <laughs> a lot more, a lot more of this. I think Chris is, is spot on there when he talks about um, the home ties. I mean, the, the draw has been pretty kind to us. Um, I think Austria might be a tough challenge. Austria might even be a, a tougher challenge in Ireland when we get through to that second playoff. Um, but I, I would also just like to—I would like to meet the person that came up with the playoff route because it's absolutely the most convoluted and complex thing I have ever had to try and get my head around in my puff. I mean, what is going on with that? Just keep it simple. 
I mean, Emma, how many times did we have to rack our brains to try and actually understand it when we were doing uh, the commentaries on the, <laughs> on the on the qualifying campaign? It's ridiculous. Oh, it's absolutely crazy. I think we kind of just bypassed it, didn't we? And we think, <laughs> let's put it to the back of minds just now. We'll Until we had to talk about it. To, when something it comes to it, it comes to off, then we'll talk about it. But it's absolutely crazy because I, I think yeah. it, at the beginning, we didn't actually want to speak about it or discuss it because we weren't sure. <laughs> We didn't, we didn't really understand it, so we're like, let's just not do that, let's just leave it. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's, as you've mentioned, I think that's the toughest road we could have got as Austria. Like, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they were just in the quarterfinals of the Euros against Germany, like not so long ago. So they've got top players, and if you look at the Austria squad as well, like they've got players that are playing for top teams in Germany, Bayern Munich, Hoffenheim, you know. Arsenal, the goalkeeper. Goalkeeper, I was just about to say her. So they've got big, big players. So I think we've got to understand and appreciate as well. This isn't going to be easy, this round run. Of course it isn't. I think the round two will take care of itself. It's almost like a, a derby almost, isn't it? Although it isn't, you know, it's that like home fixture feel kind of a to it. But I think the game um, next Thursday, will, it will be a tough game. They've got a very, very strong squad. Yeah, they are a, a really good side. They're 20th in the world at the moment. Um, I didn't realise this until I was actually speaking to Pedro for the um, the Tartanan magazine that um, is coming out next week. But they were actually semi-finalists at Euro 2017 and lost to um, Denmark. So they are a pretty handy team, you know, and it's only been the last few years that you've seen them come to the fore. So um, whilst we say Scotland are doing well, well they, they're certainly a good side, but they haven't been a World Cup and we have. So let's hope that um, that continues, Amy. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. They're, um, you know, we speak about Scotland's attacking machine almost. That, that, that's where Austria are at, they're, they're at some of their strongest as well. It's 50 goals in qualifying. Um, you know, obviously they were um, in, in England's group as well. So similarly to Scotland, it was kind of, you know, second was almost as best as you, you, would, you would probably get for them. Um, coming into it in good form, their, 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 um, their last qualifying game beat North Macedonia 10 net in 10 as well and as Emma said you know you've got top quality players running throughout players who are playing in a, in a great division in the Bundesliga um, so it's it's going to be a, a tough contest um, that yeah I think Jane's pretty spot on that I think you know it's actually harder the first round rather than the, than, the, than the second but that's just the result of this crazy crazy tournament that or qualifiers whatever you want I don't even know what it is at this stage I think you, you lose track of it um, and it's almost fitting that you almost play a better team in a earlier round because it's probably about as complex or as easy as it could be yeah, I wonder I think... if Kim Little and Jenny Beattie might be kind of spies in our camp <laughs> maybe to help us with a, a couple of Arsenal players that are in there picking their brains trying to get some lowdown on them for, for Pedro Maybe they could kick the goalkeeper and put it out next week. <laughs> yeah. Let's not condone violence. <laughs> not at all, just accidental. Um, <laughs> accident by design. Um, yeah, I mean, they say that it's a, it's a potentially easier. And on paper, Ireland, would, you would say, is easier because they're below us in the rankings and six places below us. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything. They've also got Vera Pau, um, who most of you guys will probably remember from um, her time as head coach. They've never qualified for a major tournament, um, but they did have a pretty impressive um, qualifying record as well. So, yes, whilst beating Austria, you're, you're rubbing your hands because it's Ireland, it still won't be easy. No, de definitely not. And um, I mean, with Austria as well, the, the, 
I think everybody it's kind of an agreement that that is as as tough as it could have got the the players that they have Nicobia and Sarah Adrazil they were excellent at the, the Euros and I think the thing that with Austria that really impressed me was actually the coach Irene Furman the way that she set her team up particularly in the opening game against England I mean England were a little bit nervy obviously home tournament big crowd all that kind of jazz but they they made it really difficult for England with high press and then they obviously beat Norway Norway big name in women's football beating them 1-0 in the group stages and I kind of fancied it to be honest with you and I think that's probably testament to how far they've come and in, in the kind of the, the, the most recent years but in terms of the playoffs yeah Ireland if I was picking team the three that was there Ireland would probably would have been the one I picked and, and for two reasons one I fancy us but secondly it should be a good laugh like uh, playing Ireland at Hamden should be a good laugh um, I'd imagine there'll be plenty of Irish people that are in the greater Glasgow area that will head along or live in Scotland and I'm sure you'll get a lot of people coming over as well there's a lot of crossover too. There's a number of players that they, in that island squad that have had either fleeting appearances in the SWPL, like um, Kate McCabe, for example, captain. And then you've got players that are here already just now. So the likes of Kira Grant, who's at Hearts, and Kira Ryden, who came in at Celtic this season as well. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. And then, aye, if we get, get through them, then we get into this, this three-team mini-table. Looking at it, it seems unlikely that we're going to be in the top two. The top two. I, I, we haven't really explained this, so I'm going to dive in. I'm going to try it, right? So once once the three final fixtures are done, the three winners go into a mini table, which is an accumulation of qualification results and the final playoff game. So, for example, for Scotland, all our playoff points would count. Plus, if we beat Ireland, that would be another three points our total. Now, because of the way that we qualified with the sixth best, uh, sixth best runner-up in the European qualifiers. It's unlikely we'll finish in the top two. We might, but there's a couple of circumstances that are unreal. Don't say unrealistic, but unlikely to happen. So, if we get through these two games, third place we go. Lovely stuff. We're into this uh, third place. So then we have to go to New Zealand in February to take part in a ten-team intercontinental tournament with representatives from all five confederations. Scotland, if they qualify, will be top seeds. That means they play one game less than everybody else because they'll get put into pot A. And if they win that game, they're going to the World Cup. Happy days. Let's go. Give everybody get the cork hats and Kiwis out. I don't know. What what do you need to do? I don't know. That. But um, yeah, so I mean, it's, it's actually pretty straightforward when you think about it. Because all you've got to do is win, th- like, win three games and we're there. And I think that's, and to be honest, we, we've all spoken to to managers in the past and they like to try and simplify things as much as possible and that's probably how Pedro Martínez is, is putting it to the players just now is like don't worry about permutations don't worry about anything else win three games and you're there and that's that's all we've got to worry about so first game starts on, on Thursday night against Austria It's ridiculous coming second in a group and still having to go on and win three games like come on Yeah <laughs> And that's a good way of trying to simplify it and I bet there's lots of people <laughs> listening to this thinking Eh? But <laughs> as Chris says, win two games at Hamden, one in New Zealand, and we're in the World Cup, and then Australia and New Zealand next year. So yeah, that's a good way to it. And then um, yeah, another one plus thing from the Irish point of view, from well, from our point of view, is that um, one of the better players, Claire Shine, has um, decided to retire. Um, and congratulations to Claire as well, because. Um, her autobiography made a long list of 15 for William Hill's Sports Book of Year Wars. So shout out to Claire, well done. But um, in terms, in all seriousness, in terms of her retirement, in terms of her retirement the age of 27, came a bit as a, a shock, but if this helps her find peace 
um, because she's in major mental health battles, then good luck to her. But she has lost the game. A hundred percent. John, I've I've spoken to Claire over the years a few times and we heard from her on the highlight show as well when she played her last game and obviously it was very emotional for her. There was lots of tears, as you can imagine. Um, I just think she's an incredible, incredible uh, young lady. I really do. She's been so open and honest about our, our mental health struggles um, and you know she doesn't shy away from talking about any aspect of the troubles that she's had and I just think that must have um, really helped an awful lot of other people who will have been listening to her um, as she has. She's, she's been absolutely fantastic with dealing with it and, and it's very, very sad that she's got to walk away from a game that she says she loves and something that, that before she said gave her that kind of... Um, organization in her, in her life um but very very sad that you know she kind of feels that the pressure i guess is maybe just a little bit a little bit much but the brilliant news is she's still going to be around she's still going to be um taking place uh, taking a uh, sort of uh, got a, a job with the uh, the charity that she does with the Glasgow city foundation so she'll still be around because i think when she's in a really good place i think she's a i think she's a brilliant part of that squad and i think she you know she knows how to get the girls laughing and joking. Um, and as you say, yeah, I just um, echo your sentiments. I just hope that hope that she finds it a good place and that she goes on to be to be really, really happy because she absolutely deserves it. I think that at a time when everybody talks about their mental health, about taking a step back, about, you know, making the tough decision and just doing what makes you happy, she's done that. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a big lesson. Like, you could see how well at Peter's Hill Park on Sunday, you could see how much affection she had. The, the moment where she kind of got substituted off generally caught me out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Um, so I think her message will continue. As, as Jane says, the Glasgow City Foundation and the work they do, she'll be a key part of that. If you've ever seen Claire on a match day at Peter's Hill Park as well, she'll spend as much time as, as possible with, with the kids that are interested in her as well. So, yeah, more power to her. And uh, aye, all the best for the future, I think, for sure. Yeah, just what you were saying, Chris, it caught, I was doing the commentating for it and they caught me off guard when I was commentating and Stuart would say, Emma, we'll give you the final word on Claire. And I'm like, I could feel myself getting emotional because you just felt it surrounding you. And, and obviously, she, as Jane says, she's such an incredible person on and off the pitch. You know, she's a, a huge character in that changing room and she's a very bubbly character when she's in that, a good frame of mind and, a, and she'll be fantastic for the Glasgow City Foundation, of course she will. Um, it's great, she's going to still be in and around the club and I think she's built up a, a very, very good support network around the club, which is vital for her. Um, and you know, she's been, she's a city legend. She's scored so many important and huge goals for the club and no one can take that away from her. And it was great that she, you know, she had a little spell where she was out and, and she wasn't well. Then she returned. She managed to get back into the Republic of Ireland squad. That was fantastic as well. And you'd seen the transformation in her um, physically. You know, she just got her head down. She worked hard. Um, she was in the gym doing extra training sessions. And you can see that just now. You've seen on Sunday, she had the crossbar. Um, she should have scored um, with a half volley. So she's still, <laughs> she's a very, very good player. Of course she is, but what a brave, brave woman lady to turn around and say and hold your hands up and say, do you know what, I can't do this anymore. I can't put myself in that mentally and physically through all the, the training regimes and getting up in the morning, having to go into training when you're not in that frame of mind and you don't want to do it. But incredible, brave decision. And I think we've obviously just got to applaud her and it's great we're still going to see her around. Yeah, 
Yeah, I can only echo the sentiments that have already been shared, but I think legend and, and role model is really an overused term, um, particularly in football, but, you know, Claire Shine epitomises all of that. And I think the affection that you saw on Sunday, um, as Chris said, and I was um, working as well, so I was listening to Emma's commentary and it, it, it was emotional. Um so I, I think the fact that that's, if you get that kind of reception, that's when you know you, you've done something well. Um, and I've been in the, the crowd like like Chris and the way that she speaks, to be honest, most SWPL players do, but the, the time that they give to the kids, that, that sort of attention and um, building that relationship, it's a real asset to the game. Um, and I think keeping clear shine within Glasgow City and, and, it, and the SWPL, that, that can only be a, a positive thing as well. But for, for her to be able to do that and set that, you know, set, just set that um, example that it is okay to, to do that, you know, to take that step back and um, the, the, the way and the manner in which she's going around it as well, I think it's commendable and shows that, you know, nothing's for sure and she's just done it in her way like a day before the game um, and still went out and as Emma said, you know, she should have scored but other than that, it was um, pretty much as, as well as it could have went. Yeah, she's um, also, I mean, for me, just to finish up, she, she's probably scored the most important goal in recent times, definitely in the best game ever, that's Scottish Cup final, Glasgow City 4, Hibs 3, that game lives, will live forever long in memory. Whenever I speak to somebody at women's football, I say, go watch that game and try and tell me that football is not fun, no matter what type of football it is. So, um, yeah, the fact that she she has left an indelible mark now in the women's game in Scotland, and that's that's cool. I'm sure she'll, she'll keep doing it too. Exactly. Well, I mean, that um, we gave um, that goal, um, the goal of 2019 on the podcast, that Claire Shingle. It doesn't get any better than a goal at that in the last minute of a Scottish Cup final to win it and a great Cup final it was too. Um, and again, it just hits home the message. Um, you know, it's okay not to be okay. If you're, just, just keep talking. That's the best thing you can do in these situations. Just keep talking. There's always someone that will listen. And that's the other important thing, you know, Everyone's got, everyone's got issues. Everyone's got anxiety, depression, etc. Just be an ear, even if you don't um, have the best advice. Just be an ear to these people, and it'll make them feel times better. So, good luck to Claire on um, her assignment, and it's good that she's still involved with Glasgow City. Um, so, going back onto the um, playoff game, so I just need to to Fiona McIntyre's job on here by um, giving the ticket prices, etc. So, um, for anyone who wants to go along, it's um, £10 per, per adult, £5 per um, concession for each game. But if you buy both tickets um, for both games, the Ireland game is half price. Um, and there's a full refund if we do lose, um, but that won't happen. Let's, <laughs> let's be clear on that. And if you're a Scotland Supporters Club member like myself, entry is free. So you've got nothing to lose there. And you're going to see a good game of football, hopefully. Um, you're going to see a good Scotland women's team. Um and you'll be entertained. You know, the women's team are very forward thinking um, and, you know, the games have been entertaining so far. So definitely get along with Hamden. There's still plenty of availability and let's try and get more sections of Hamden. Let's make it more than just the South Stand. Let's get into the West and East Stands as well and try and get closer to that 18,000 record if we can. Um, and the game is obviously on BBC Alba if you can't make it along to Hamden um, on Thursday the 6th or Tuesday the 11th of October. Um, so we'll round off just by just a brief discussion. Um, you know, first of all, will we win both games and what do we need to do in order to make sure, other than obviously score more goals, that's obvious, but what do we need to do in order to make sure we, um, we do all that? I think, um, yes, we are going to win both games. Let's, let's just, you know, positive mental attitude and all that jazz. 
Um, but yeah, I think against Austria, I think we've Amy touched on it as well in terms of our strength. I think the the big thing Pedro done is he's he's understood our strength is an attack. If we go front foot, we can go toe to toe with Austria, and we have the ability to get the better of them. Um, I think if we I don't want to say overthink it. I think that's probably the wrong term, but I think if we invite Austria onto it, and as Austria showed in the Euros, they like a high press. If they if they sense an opportunity to do it, they will do it. But I think if we get a fast start, get on the front foot, obviously score a goal, as John says, we need to score goals, because if we score more goals, we'll get through. But um, I, think, I think that's a big thing. If we play the game that we play, like we did against Ukraine, like we did against the Netherlands, there's absolutely no reason why we can't do that. We have players that should be at a World Cup. We have players that are like best in class in some in some respects. If you want to start bring, breaking down football into micro roles, Aaron Cuthbert, this you know weird like utility player, but also this creative maverick and also this like hard working wing back. But she can also play in centre back. It's like central midfield as well. Caroline, we are this ball playing like elegant uh, player who. You know, is just lighting up Spanish football, and like anytime she does something, just now you can just see that the whole world is paying attention to her. Claire Emsley, a rapid winger, Christy Gimshaw, they both run exactly the same way. So, like, why not utilize their pace in the wings as well? And then we have that the experience at the back. That yeah, I think that will be a big challenge. But you've got to believe, man. I'm a big believer in you've got to believe because if you don't believe in, what is the bloody point? So yeah, we're going to win seven now. <laughs> Caroline, we're Ballon d'Or. Let's just get that in. Yeah, I, I concur with the uh, got to believe, and absolutely we have to. I, I'm going to tip Scotland for a win. Maybe not 7-0, Chris, but maybe I'll, I'll take any win, but uh, I think maybe it might be a bit a bit more nervy than that on the night. But yeah, look, let's just take confidence from some of our previous past um, games, performances and uh, results. There'll be some players still hurting from not being involved in Euros, so, so let's put that to rights as well. Players who, who deserve to be shining on, on the big stage. You've, we've already talked about them, so it'd be brilliant to, uh, to see them there. Um, we need to use our strengths in attack as well. We need to get it right at the back, though, as well. You know, we've seen too many mistakes, um, silly mistakes as well, really costly mistakes. So we need to show up at the back, uh, be defensively solid. Uh, and I suppose... Just, just concentrate and focus at the back and the rest, I am sure, will fall into place. I just need to play Chris and Jane's team talk there and think that's <laughs> sorted. Uh, if that doesn't get you going, then God knows what. Um, Chris living up to his hype man um, title. But no, they're both spot on. Um, there's more than enough talent there. You know, It's not at a time now that you're going, oh, this would be a, a really like wow achievement sort of thing of course it would be but it's it should be happening um it's not totally and utterly unimaginable um the, the quality is there um in abundance and especially over the last six months probably since the Pinotar cup like the, everything's just really fell into place um the momentum's there and you know I know that, that sounds silly when there's a, a defeat against the Netherlands, but that's not a defeat. That's a really, really promising performance. And so much has to have been taken from that. Um, and you can even see that the way in, and you're not trying to do a discredit to, to the Faroe Islands, but the way in which Scotland played against Faroe Islands, it would be very easy to just, you know, kind of just like get job done and, and just brush it off. But it was, went, it did go, it went about in the right way. Sorry, Scotland went about it in the right way. So there, the momentum is there, which is, is a key thing in football. And I know that's hard in international football when it's so stop start. Um, but if you just take everything into consideration and, you know, we've all heard the way that Pedro speaks, 
his team talk, I imagine, will be pretty similar to Chris and Jane's as well. So um, I'm sure, yeah, there, there's no way to, there's no reason to not be sort of optimistic here. And I'll go for the wins as well. Uh, do I have the last words with um, Scotland International Emma <laughs> No I echo everyone else you know listen we're good enough we should be at a World Cup you know we've got top top players um, and as you say since, since February time to now I think we've just been on this momentum we've been climbing and climbing and climbing and the playoffs have just came at the perfect timing of us especially given the game against the Netherlands we were so close you know I, I think they handpicked that friendly and it was vital we played a top top team to then go into this playoff position and we're in such a good position and having speaking to a number of the players you know they're just so determined to get to that World Cup as you've mentioned John especially missing out in the Euros there's players that will be looking at it thinking this could be my last chance at playing a major final so they'll be giving it their absolute all on that pitch in first evening and also the game against Republic of Ireland of course so no for me definitely win-win and then we'll see what happens in New Zealand <laughs> Yeah, um, although good luck to Portugal, Wales and Bosnia because um, if one of them, just one of them get th- um, somehow get through their ties um, then we don't need to go to New Zealand but let's be honest, we're preparing for New Zealand in February but um, listen, thanks very much for coming on everyone um, All-Star panel tonight and good luck to Scotland Women's National Team in the World Cup playoffs.